0: Episode 13 of the Legends Podcast. I am one half of the Legends Podcast, Sam Manheimer, and I am joined by my co-host, Ari Levy. Great
1: to be here, Sam. Uh, We got a real exciting show for you guys today. We got Andrew Feldman on. He's a video coordinator for Clemson Football, a friend of ours from college. He talks about working his way up from Indiana to onto Elon University and then now Clemson, which many of you know, is a premier football school they were in the college football playoff this year and he talks about what it's like working with a coach like davos sweeney and being around nfl prospects such as trevor lawrence and much much more it's a really good interview and i'm glad we were able to get him on the phone because the kid was very busy all year and it was hard to get in touch with them
0: yeah feldy uh has a pretty cool job at one of the best if not the best football programs in the country and it was a privilege to be able to get him to talk through what that's like and he was definitely present for some pretty incredible moments and a really unforgettable year of college sports and he sheds a lot of really interesting light on on that experience and what it's like being around such a prestigious program and yeah really really special interview with one of our good friends.
1: I was very curious if Trevor Lawrence was a cool guy and I got my answer
0: so I was pretty excited about that. Feldy uh he was the fun guy to live vicariously through for a while if i I may say that because my nine to five is fun but it's not as cool as being on the team bus with a national championship contender football team that's something that not many people get to enjoy and it was fun kind of following his story throughout the season and then ultimately getting to unpack it on the interview absolutely for those of you who have visuals on, on the podcast, which would be literally nobody, Ari is burning sage. He's warning, warding off the evil spirits that occupy his room. I imagine Ari has a lot of demons that need to be taken care of. And I don't know if sage is going to do it, but I guess it's a step in the right direction for one sick man.
1: Well, you know, the demons, uh, the demons come into effect when there's no football on anymore. And this is our first Sunday without the prospect of football. You know, two Sundays ago, we didn't have football, but that was because it was leading up to the Super Bowl. But now we're not going to have any football until the Hall of Fame game, which is in August. Or is that July?
0: Uh, I think it might be late July. But yeah, the the football tea break starts today. It's definitely going to be a tough stretch of time without our beloved 22 men on the field or uh, Scott Hansen calling it not taking pee breaks. My identity as a human being revolves around getting upset about football games that I have no bearing over. And now that I don't have that, I'm going to need to reestablish an identity and TBD on what that's going to be. Speaking of which, Scott Hansen from Red Zone, his contract is up now. I would assume that they would want to re-sign him, but if they don't, that'd be a travesty. I don't know where Scott Hansen goes if he doesn't stay on Red Zone because that job was made for him. Yeah. He's very talented at what he does,
1: and he's become very, very popular. And like people just like really look forward to Sunday because of him. So I would assume that the NFL network would want to keep him on.
0: Yeah, it would only make sense. And I mean, I personally watch Red Zone more than any other single TV show. When I watch football on Sundays, it's not an individual game until the Sunday night game. It's just Red Zone the whole time.
1: Noon to, noon to 6.30 every weekend.
0: I had the pleasure of introducing my parents to Red Zone when I was uh, living living with them for the month of December. And it was a pretty rewarding experience just being able to give the gift of Red Zone to people who had given me so many gifts over my years. I felt like, verbal meme, it was the ninja turtle holding the hand of, uh, what, what what's the rat's name?
1: I, uh, I have no idea. All
0: right, we'll cut this. But that was basically it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so not to brag, but we both hit on our Super Bowl picks. We both picked the Bucks. You know, I I made three little Super Bowl bets on DraftKings, our sponsor, and they all cashed. We had a Bucks money line. We had Gronk to score a touchdown at any time and Gronk spike in the end zone celebration. I was really confident Gronk was going to score at some point and, and he scored, was it the first two touchdowns? I don't know, but he had two touchdowns and they played great and the Bucks went on. And then they had a really big parade, a boat parade. There was nobody wearing masks anywhere. And Tom Brady got fucked up.
0: Yeah, Tom Brady definitely ate some almonds, but had a lot more beers. He might have even have snuck in a strawberry or two in there. Maybe that was part of what got him so tipsy. But he uh, did not have his sea legs.
1: Yeah, no, he he definitely had quite a few drinks. He threw the trophy from one boat to another. Good thing that, you know, Cameron Bray at the tight end was able to haul it in. It would have actually been kind of cool if he dropped it. And then, like, there would have been a whole story about the divers that have to go down there and look for it.
0: I don't know how deep the water was where they had the boats going, but there's no universe in which that trophy gets dropped and some drunk Tampa Bay resident doesn't just dive in head first and try to swim to the bottom to pick it up. Yeah, that would be like been multiple people doing that.
1: Probably. Another thing we we wanted to touch on was we got a lot of really good feedback from our episode with Linda. Linda was telling me that a lot of people reached out to her after the episode and were just like, "You were, you know, you were so funny on there. Like, we haven't talked to you in forever. How are you?" So it's really nice to see that we help connect some people.
0: Yeah. Definitely one of the most rewarding episodes we've put out. Just really, really great response from the listeners. Linda was super happy, and she texted us a couple of times throughout the week, just mentioning how many people were reaching out to her. That's really the best case scenario for us, because we're, we're doing this to have fun and bring people back together. And I, I think that episode accomplished that. So thank yeah. you all f- to the listeners, and, and thanks to those of you who reached out.
1: Yeah, and we we also got a nice amount of thank you from some of our friends whose names we bleeped out. They're like, that was great.
0: Thanks for bleeping my name out. (laughs) Yeah, we learned a new skill about how to bleep names. So to all future guests, you can come on the podcast and let it rip even more because now we know how to bleep stuff.
1: Yeah, we're, we're all about letting it rip. Like literally just say whatever's on your mind.
0: We'll cut it out or we'll bleep it up. Or we won't if we don't like you and we'll sink your career. Yeah. So like we had said a couple minutes ago, this is the first Sunday where we don't have football, so we thought it would be appropriate to have a football-related interview just to try to bridge the gap a little bit until we get to the Hall of Fame game, like Ari had said. So without further ado, putting off your offseason a couple minutes longer, here is Andrew Feldman.
1: All right, we now welcome on a good friend of ours from college, Graduate video assistant of Clemson Football, Andrew Feldman. Feldy, it's great to have you here.
2: Thanks for having me uh me on guys. It's really awesome to be here and that we can like reconnect like this. It's like it's really it's a really cool opportunity.
0: Yeah, super stoked to see you. It's been a little while. It's been, we've been on a, a whirlwind journey, I think, since we've last seen you. So it's uh it'll be fun to catch up.
2: Definitely will be. We got a lot, got a lot to talk about, I'm sure.
0: No doubt. So for the listeners, uh, Feldy, can you give a little brief description of what you do now and I guess like what where your stops were along the way in order to get there?
2: Yeah, I'm a graduate video assistant here with Clemson Football, which means I primarily work on internal content that like the team and staff only see. We don't put it out on social media. Sometimes we get a little raunchy and like to stir the pot a little bit with the guys and I kind of do those videos. And then the other cool side of that is coaches film as well. Which is pretty much the footage you would use for film study. Um, you see some like broadcasters now trying to use it on TV to look cool, but that's kind of the two sides of my job. And then how I got here, I guess, was a few different stops. First stop was my junior year at Indiana. When my upon my return to Indiana,
1: <laughs> <laughs> we all remember
2: the return. The return to Indiana. I got my uh, you know I got my shit together and I found this just little opportunity. It's pretty funny, actually. I went to speak with the video coordinator at IU Football. There was like an IU Classifieds out for it or something weird. Like I saw it. I was like, oh, shit, that's pretty cool. That's that's a You can just apply for that. So I just applied for the job and uh, went to meet the video coordinator. And he was just this pretty cool Jewish dude. I don't know if you guys remember Sam Miller. Hmm. I remember Sam Miller. So he was Sam, in our fraternity. Sam Miller laid the foundation for me, believe it or not because I like, kind of was like, oh yeah, Sam Miller, I'm in the same fraternity, Like he's a, because he loved Sam Miller. We hit it off, and then I knew nothing about video, but I just fucking loved being out there at IU, and uh, I did that for two years, grew in that, and, and learned and, and, and figured out what the hell was going on, and then upon graduation, I had a job lined up to be an intern down at the U, and I was actually sitting at orientation at, in the University of Miami, and then uh, I got a call from Elon University which I had been interviewing at, but I, I mean, that was a long shot job. <laughs> I was in over my head when I got the Elon job offer and I, I immediately left orientation and I accepted that job. It was a great for being 22 years old. The division one video coordinator was an unbelievable opportunity for me. And I, I had to freaking run with it. Um, so I lived in Burlington, North Carolina, which is where the university of Elon is uh, Elon university. They should rather rather me say um, video coordinator there for a year. And then, uh, I got a call from a guy at the University of Arkansas, the video coordinator there, and we had exchange conference film, and we can get into all these details. I'm kind of getting away here. But uh he was like, hey, I'm going to Clemson, and I'm allowed to bring in a few new staff. He was actually asking if I had any seniors that were graduating on my staff that wanted to become graduate students, and I was like, shit, I, I want to become a graduate student there. So I kind of jumped in, and uh, he was happy to hire me, and it's just been 2020 and the season that just happened ever since which has been nuts but i'm sure we'll get into that here in a little bit
1: so rewinding it. back when you were at indiana and you saw the job posting and you were you were kind of like oh shit like this seems cool so growing up did you ever have like a passion or want to work in football or is it just kind of something like you liked and then you saw it and were like all right like this is something i got to do so i mean growing up I played like I played flag
2: football, touch football, and then I started playing tackle football at a pretty young age for North Miami Beach, which is just you know you get exposed to a lot of different things with playing youth football, and I was able to just enjoy growing up playing like tackle football, and like a lot of parents don't allow their kids to play tackle football when, when they're young, and and I, I kind of grew up with it, and then it kind of got to a point where I was also playing baseball in high school, and then. Like I'm sure you watched the game last night. How many kids did they say were from South Florida? Like the talent pool here is just. It got to a point where I was like, all right, I'm not good enough at this to be doing this right now. Like I yeah,
1: I'm
2: I can go catch on the baseball team.
1: Was it was it all the Alabama? I, I saw that I, I saw it somewhere, but it's like all the Alabama like linemen or receivers were all from like Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, their entire defensive backfield. It's from South yeah, at that point it's like it's not safe for me to play tackle football anymore no it's time to move on.
2: <laughs> i joined the bowling team my senior year
0: <laughs> it's a much safer sport <laughs> for sure
2: <laughs> <much> for choice
0: <laughs>
2: but yeah so i mean i guess to answer your question yeah i've always had like a I, I love the game of football i've always watched nFL with my dad in college with my dad and i played it myself but I, I i loved it it i love what the game can do for you at a young age and the type of person it molds you into be only football can do that.
0: Yeah, I agree, actually, with that. I, I played two years in high school and was just absolutely probably the worst person on the team. Wide receiver? Little wide receiver cornerback, which was basically just the default for kids that were just not big, sort of fast, and not wanting to get tackled. Um, yeah. But it is fun, though. I mean, I totally hear what you're saying about that. Like You really get that camaraderie that in football that I don't really think you can get in other sports. There's something different about two-a-days and all that kind of stuff that you go through that you just don't have in like a a basketball or baseball probably. So I guess on all the teams that you've been on, have you kind of been able to feel as if you're a part of that group? Like you're, you're entrenched with, with the guys on the team and everything.
2: So, yeah, I'd say my time at Indiana, not really. Uh, We were just more closer as a video group of students than we were with the, with the team. But my time at Elon, absolutely. When you're a video coordinator at the FCS level, it's, social media you're running uh social media coaches film recruiting graphics and video i mean there's so many that so many things that go along with that at that level and it's just that's that's the name of the game when you're in the fcs there's you know you gotta just wear a lot of different hats at that level but it exposes you to a lot of different things so you know I, i'm thankful for that but when you're engaged in recruiting graphics so like you're making the graphics for the kids and they come in and they do photo shoots with you like i'm like introducing like I don't know. I, I saw it. I only got it for a year at Elon, but I, I saw that progression and like, yeah, you, you spend a lot of time. Pe- people in this generation takes their social media very seriously, and if you're creating their content for them, kid, you know, kids want to make sure they're friendly with you, and you know, they're coming to dap you up and sitting in your office and you know, having a good time. My office at Elon was actually it was small. It was a, it was a small little thing. Where I had a, a couch in there, and people would come in and we'd like hang out. And you know, I I'd definitely say i have connected with those players, and I, and I miss those guys, but the guys here at Clemson are just, you get, you get a real good gentlemen here. I mean, you, you, the guys reach out and they just say, what's up, man. You see people in the hallway. Also like just with 2020, the fact that we had, we in such a bubble that the only people we hung out with was, I mean, we spent more than 80 hours a week, seven days a week in that building. So you just really get to know people and they kind of have no choice, especially when I'm creating content for them and, and, They enjoy it get a good laugh out of it or, you know, hype them up the night before a game. We show a hotel hype video and things like that are
1: very cool.
2: They take we take it pretty serious because they take it pretty serious.
1: Obviously work like, you know, it took a while to get to get this interview with you. You know, you said you worked a ton, especially to program like Clemson. That's a division one powerhouse. I mean, there's so much of expected you just whether you're on the video staff, a coach or a player, kind of what's, what does your day-to-day look like? So,
2: I mean, what people don't realize is what a video staff actually does in a day. I don't think a lot of people actually know like what goes into that. People know, you know, Spolcher was a video guy and I was a coach, but you know, there's not a lot of famous video coordinators out there. It's a, it's a support staff role. It's not a glorified role. What you're seeing is, especially in 2020, social distance meetings where we're dealing with technology it's not just video work, but like technology, getting laptops set up, projectors, screens. All of our coaches' film is run off this software called Exos, which is a, a powerhouse in the coaches' film software platform. So we're running that off all these computers, and we're making sure that's working. That's how we're getting our coaches' film up there. We're setting up these meetings. Coach Sweeney Dabo likes to have a lot of visuals. We do a lot of visual, like metaphors. It's pretty. It's some of it's pretty cool. You get fired up, you know. So a lot of my day is, is just kind of going around, making sure all that's set up, working well. We import every single game in the country that's played every week, we import into our server. So if our coaches come to us and they say, hey, Troy or fucking Akron is having a great season offensively. We want to see what they're doing well. We can pull that up instantly. We have it there ready to go. We're working on it all week. Anything a coach wants to see good or bad, maybe they want to see what a team's doing poorly or what a team's doing good. And we have all that access. Majority of of the day for coaches is watching film. So if coaches are there, video staff is there, which makes your day very long.
0: This may be kind of a technical question, but do you kind of like code the videos? So like if if a coach wants to see, okay, pull up cover two from the Notre Dame game, do you have like a way of querying the videos in order to, to get specific film on that? Oh, yeah. So we have we have data
2: on every clip of every play of every practice rep has data. And if a coach wants to see efficiency on third down and eight plus yardage and tendencies from another team, what they tend to do in that situation, you can pull up just those plays themselves and and go straight into that and not waste your time with anything else. So, yeah, I mean, every single play, every single rep has data down and distance, field position, hash mark who is uh, like formation and all that kind of stuff. And I, I don't really partake in that kind of stuff, but that's all done by quality control guys and analysts and their own GAs uh, with the coaching staff. So, yeah.
0: Gotcha. So you're not the one doing that kind of data analysis, but you're the one that kind of helps support the coaches with, with getting it when they need it. Is that right? Yeah. So I, I, I more
2: help with the footage aspect of it. And I get okay. into this system and then, This certain this software called Exos is what we all use and and coming up as a young coach now, you really got to know how to use it, to be honest with you. Uh, There's a competitor for it, which we use at the FCS level just because it's a little cheaper, but you just it's it's becoming a very technological and data driven game. And you got to have that kind of information at the snap of your fingers ready to go, because any coach can walk in and it happens all the time where they're like, can I see this random thing from 2016? when this offensive coordinator was at Baylor and he ran this offense, (laughs) you got to go find it, you know, it's, it's intense. It's
1: intense. Yeah. Games are, are planned and won and lost in the film room. And that's really like what coaches do, whether it's the NFL high school or college, they're watching the film of any, you know, the team that they're going up against, and they're going to figure out what to do, which brings me to kind of like my next question. So you're around the coaches a lot and, and you're bringing up film do you ever put a little input in? Do you maybe see something that they don't, and you go, you know, hey, you know, maybe if we drop the safety back a little there, uh, we could have done a little better. It's I know I'm not a coach, but just say. Or do you just keep it shut?
2: No, I I, I keep my mouth pretty shut when it comes to the football uh, football talk. If it's from a creative video standpoint, I absolutely speak up. I have meetings with Coach Sweeney about twice a week, and we go over his visuals for his. Uh, nightly meeting that friday night in our hotels and he likes to have a video played and he goes through all these different graphics and i sit with him i'm doing that and and trying to just get that done and balancing it's, it's all these different departments within the video department right you know you get technology coaches film post-production you're trying to balance all these different things
0: that's awesome so when you're shooting the film i guess like where where are you located at a practice or at a game like are you on the field or are you in a in a booth somewhere where are you at at a school like Clemson we shoot
2: at any given practice eight plus camera different angles but during game day we shoot primarily three angles and on the sideline shot it's called the all 22 cam
0: mm-hmm.
2: What I'm it's keeping all 22 players in the shot and it's, it's pretty much a, a press box shot of all 22 players as the play develops and it's it's pretty much that aerial view to see how plays develop and you can get a good sense of who's, you know, what what's going on. Um, as far as the end zone shot, that's more of a tight, like some people call it the butt shot because you're like tackle to tackle. And that's, you know, that's more to see alignments and, and, and run fits and things like that, depending on your side of ball. But uh, that's pretty much your two primary angles. And then of course, a, a school like Clemson, just because we have the resources to do so, we have a wide end zone shot. We have a, you know, we have all different angles you could possibly imagine, line of scrimmage camera, a VR camera we have we do VR for the quarterbacks which is really cool so I'm, I'm primarily a sideline filmer during the game but uh, during practice I'm inside help editing practice and we get it up real time onto everyone's computer so that the second coaches can get back in they shower boom they're watching film and they can eat their dinner and we can get the night rolling
1: I gotta ask uh is, is Trevor Lawrence a cool guy Trevor Lawrence is the real deal man he's he's a pretty cool
2: dude I, you know, I don't have much interaction with him. You know, I'll see him in the hall and i what's up, Trevor? And I, I don't think he, he probably knows me as Andrew, maybe. He comes into the video office once in a while to grab his laptop so he can watch film.
1: Yeah, but he definitely, if he saw you, he would know who you are. If, that's he saw, all that matters.
2: if he saw me, he'd be like, oh, that's that video guy.
1: Yeah, but that's all, that's something. I've been exposed to a lot of people this year
2: and it's, it's an unbelievable experience, but like, I can't be like, oh my god, Trevor Lawrence. Like, you know. No, you, I know
1: you're you're a professional.
2: You got to be professional. But
1: inside, you're
2: like screaming like a little girl. Inside, it's very cool to be around some of these people. Yeah.
0: So you said that you pulled together some funnier videos, I guess, for the players. Did you ever have any fun with a, uh, I would say either a Trevor's hair or B the girl that looks exactly like Trevor Lawrence? Was that ever incorporated? So
2: that that when that whole thing happened, I've seen the videos they did. But when it first was popular and that girl was like going to the games and all of that, they did at the time, and I watched all those videos. And this year we did a few of like Trevor's hair, and you, you know you give him a hard time, but you know, at the end of the day, how much can you make fun of Trevor's hair already? You know.
0: Yeah, that's true. I guess he's been there for a couple of years now, and it's not like he grew it out <laughs> this year.
2: Once you win a national championship, you can wear your hair however the fuck you want, in my opinion.
0: I would agree with that earlier we kind of touched
1: on on coach spolstra and he from the miami heat in the nba and he's kind of like the prime example of like working your way up from like basically nothing to becoming a head coach that won multiple titles and he started as a video coordinator for the miami heat and he's been their head coach for what is it like 12 13 years now yeah. so I guess my question is for you, what What are your aspirations beyond being just a video coordinator? So the role of video coordinator, especially in football has changed since Eric Spolstra
2: was a video coordinator. It's in most power fives. Not, I shouldn't say most, but caliber schools like, you know, Clemson, your blue chip schools, Clemson, Ohio state, it's a six figure job just because of the trickle down of head coaches are now making $9 million. Assistants are making a million, a pop each and a, just the way it trickles down. So it is a very comfortable job and you can have a very comfortable life being a video coordinator if that's the path you choose. But for me, I I don't know if video is my end goal necessarily. It's gotten my foot in the door and it's gotten me this far. So, you know, I'm kind of riding the wave while I can do it. Seems to be working this far, but operations is something I'm really interested in. I think it's safe to say that's like the logistical planning of pretty much the entire freaking show. Getting people to point A to point B, making sure you know planes are there, buses are there, teams taken care of, everything. It's it's an unbelievable amount of moving parts, but I think that's just a way to move up in an administration, especially at the NFL level. That in college we have an operations director and he has a few people, but in the NFL that's an entire department, and that's how you can get high. you know you got to think long term. So that's kind of the end goal for me is is to end up in the league. I mean I want to win championships in college i definitely think i want to hang out in college football for a little while just because there's not a lot of turnover at the nfl level but in college as staffs turnover head coaches like to bring in their guys and at a at a program like clemson where guys are trying to get hired all the time some of these assistants and they're they're coming after our assistants every every year you never you never know what's going to happen
1: And, and you are in a premier college you know football program so you you're, it sounds like you're you're very comfortable and you're going to definitely sit tight for a little and see where things go.
2: Yeah, I mean, I have another year of
1: school left. This is
2: year one for me. It's a two-year program here. And, and once that's done, we'll see what is available. And, and if they like you enough, if, if Coach Sweeney likes you and, and the staff likes you and you're a productive and good employee, there's no reason they're going to let you go to someone else and let someone else have you. That makes no sense. So you just got to work your ass off and prove yourself. And, and be humble in the experience and just keep grinding, you know?
0: So is your master's degree, I guess, A, what is it? And then B, is that directly applicable to what you're doing now? Or is that more of a major focus that'll help you down the line?
2: It's a master's in science and athletic leadership. So, I mean, if you you guys knew me at a time where if you fucking said I was getting a master's in science, you'd be like, i you <laughs> like, <laughs> <Andrew> Keltman, what? <laughs> <laughs> All my classes are, like, I'm in uh, ethical issues in collegiate athletics, sports operation and culture. I'm, I'm like, programs very based on forming a a program, like, coming up with your leadership style, establishing a a culture and, what uh, you know, a belief system. And just it's the administrative side of college athletics, which is what I want to fucking do. So if this isn't interesting, at least I know that's
1: not what I want to (laughs) do I know at a lot at those programs, whether it's D1, D2, D3, you get a lot of gear. How much gear do you have? It's stupid how much gear I have. We we get packages of gear every few weeks,
2: every, all the bowl game stuff. I get past gear. Like, I just have so much shit. My sh- I have so many Nike boxes of shoes. And it's like, it's cool at first. And you're like, oh, all this gear, like, it's really cool. And then you start, like, running out of room for all this shit and, like, it's awesome, but I like I have unopened bags of clothes just sitting like over there because I just I haven't gotten around to wearing them yet.
1: If you ever need a place to donate, uh, the Legends I Podcast to help do. you out. Yeah,
2: <laughs> we're gotta, receiving stuff. I'm a large. I want a Legends podcast shirt and then that quote you said on the back where I, what is it, championship start in the film room? <laughs> <laughs> we'll make that.
0: <laughs> Honestly, I am not opposed to making that. That's a sick shirt right there. I love that. Let's uh, pivot back to IU football for a little bit. So we're yeah, obviously I, an well. IU football podcast, and as of today, our Hoosiers were ranked 12th in the AP poll. Some way too early uh, top 10 projections have us have us in there. Um, you were there kind of at the outset of the turn of the program when when Coach Allen was really coming into his own. What was that like uh, being around TA and leo and and all that good stuff
2: i mean it's so cool to see because you're right i i I came in the year after kevin wilson uh left and i guess from what i hear i can't speak for experience but i hear he didn't left and, and he didn't leave in great great terms and then you get tom allen who comes in and he's just such a spiritual guy and he like he genuinely just gives a shit and he really cares and he really loves like deep to his core and you just you feel that out on the field and that's the first time like that's my first head coach. Um, this is the first time. This is my first school just happened to be a Big Ten school. And the experience of that is, is, you know, it's a blessing for me and it's great. But you get to see him start to shape the culture and then Leo comes around. And it's just love each other. And like you can just all every school in the country has mantras, right? Ed Clemson has them freaking FCS. Elon had one. Everyone has all these mantras. But when a team actually buys into the fucking culture that stands behind that mantra, you really can see something special, and and I think the Indiana team actually genuinely loves each other. I think you see that. I, I guess I saw Wop Wop's going to league. I mean, that's expected. Go get go get your money, dude. You know what I mean? But um, like a lot of people are coming back to that program for for another season. I think they're pissed off, and I think that's because they just love Indiana football, which is such a rare thing that we've met, like. No, my dad went to Northwestern, so he grew up in the watching Big Ten football year seventies and eighties and you know like he's never seen Indiana as in like having such a pride around Indiana as it is right now.
1: And and I was saying it the entire time I was at Indiana. I was like I just like don't understand why we're not a good football school. Like we're like centrally located in the Big Ten. I think Indiana is the biggest school in the Big Ten too. Minus Okay, so then Ohio State, then Indiana, I think. I think we they were just missing but, pieces each year. You were just seeing it being built, and but the most the most important thing about a college football program is the coach, by far. You you have to have a coach that's able to like go into a kid's living room and convince them to come play for you, and that he like creates a culture of just like caring for each other. And I mean, you have interactions with Davo, so so you obviously see like what that's like firsthand. Dabo Dabo is what you see he's
2: a genuine man he I mean he really cares he loves this team he loves Clemson he really loves just everything to do with the staff all the way down to the puppies, like our, our, our kitchen staff the people who work down the bistro like he he genuinely is thankful and grateful for everyone he's the kind of guy guy's making nine million dollars a year he wears a Walmart watch on his wrist you know that's something that's just someone he thanks God every morning I mean he just, it, it's 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 He's a genuine guy, you know, and there's something to be said about being Jewish in in this program. But you get exposed to a lot of what people believe in their faith. And I can translate that to to Judaism pretty well. I mean, it's there's a lot of parallels. And if you just keep the faith and believe in something, then these guys do that. And they're forever grateful and understanding that where they are right now is not it's the it's the one percent of the entire country. People wait their whole careers to experience what those guys experience on a day to day basis.
0: So you're around Dabo, who is, I mean, by just success on the field, one of probably the top five coaches in in college football, one of the best in the last 25 years, no doubt. Do you see parallels between him and Tom Allen? Like, do you do you see him being able to kind of get to that level or where give me give me something to chew on here?
2: I guess I just I was never exposed to Tom Allen that much. You know, I, I was a student. So I was an undergrad student. So you didn't really get the exposure you see him out on the practice field, and you see the intensity Tom Allen has on the practice field. Dabo doesn't have on the practice field. Dabo's a technician. He he goes up top on the perch and watches practice from the perch. Sometimes he's down on the field interacting with individual players. He's a he, Tom Allen's more of an intensity-driven, bring the energy, let's have a freaking day kind of guy. Dabo's like, let's have a freaking day, but let's get it right and let's do let's do this the right way and let's get it perfect, and we're not leaving the field until we do. So I think you see a few parallels in just the fucking passion they have for the game of football, which is, it's crazy. These guys really love the game. But um, just a few – a little different coaching style. I think Tom, Al- Tom Allen is the most passionate coach I've ever I, – I, like I've never seen a coach that goes as nuts as he does on the sideline.
0: I'll take that.
1: It's also one of those things that – we are in the very early stages of what potentially could be in like Indiana football, like becoming like a legit program, not just having this being a one-off year. But like with Clemson, they just have such a long history of of winning and being a powerhouse school.
2: But Ari, that's the exact thing. That's the difference between pretty much five schools in the country and then everyone else is the consistency that every year you say the same five schools in the conversation and everyone else is just oh yeah they had a good year but where the fuck are they the next year you know they're nowhere to be seen in there
1: but that's why it's important to have a really good coach especially it's in college culture. it's a coach that, and a culture that the whole entire st-
2: players and staff are bought into absolutely and once you establish that everyone's talented everyone's got five stars everyone's got four stars everyone you know there's ballers all over the country it's just you got to have that something special and that starts with a head coach and and the culture I agree with you totally
0: so being at a program that has such a high expectation every year what was this season like because I mean it was obviously an unprecedented situation with with COVID and all that but I mean Clemson had some up and down moments like take me through like what what everyone's mindset is going into the season, like what, what everybody's feeling like when when the Notre Dame game happens, and then where you guys go from there, because it was a it was a roller coaster.
2: So it this was a year being able to say I was a part of college football for this year, just on my resume and as an experience, just to be able to talk about it. You can't buy that experience. I mean, it's been such an unbelievable, unbelievably unique season, um, and navigating through that. I mean, you just you see guys at the start of the year, you see Trevor with the, we want to play movement. And, and I don't know if you watched the uh, college football awards, but we also have Darian Renter Who's uh he's going to be a sixth year running back. Now he's going to execute his one extra year of COVID eligibility, but he's uh he was a part of establishing. Like, I, I personally, and the program believes those guys were responsible for even making football happen this year. So, you know, you gotta like just sit back and understand where you are at a place like Clemson and just realize that, the people that you work with on a day-to-day basis and the people that you see on a day-to-day basis are people that are impacting the game at the highest level. I mean, these are the people they are talking about on ESPN at night. And these are the people that are in the spotlight constantly. And, and you just got to realize at the end of the day, these are just, these are just kids. They're guys. They're just, they're just dudes at the end of the day. They hang out, they eat, you know, chop it up and, and just hang out. You know, like it's, it's interesting to see it from, from my side. It just like, I get exposed to a lot of things and, and, to see it from a a player's point of view and a coach's point of view. I think the spotlight of, of the media and just all of that, the amount of TV and media attention this season, just because that's all people did was sit at home and watch their TV waiting for someone at Clemson to get COVID or waiting for someone at Alabama to break, you know, like it was just waiting for news to pop out. I think there was just so much extra work that had to get done to navigate through the season, but you know, we did it and I get COVID tested three times a week I freaking wear masks and shields all day long. You really got to, you know, take it serious. And and that's goes back to what we were just talking about before. Like that's culture. That's guys just bought in. And this is a, this is a business and we got a freaking job to do. And you want to be consistent and go back to the national championship with to answer your question, every, the six ACC championships in a row undefeated, the seniors in four years never lost at home in Death Valley. I mean, these are unbelievable pressures going into the season. That to have that on your shoulders, and to every night you get in bed and sit on your couch and you're watching it on TV, and it's it's constantly in your head. It's a lot of pressure, but it's unbelievable to see these guys, especially like guys like Trevor, just seem so calm, cool, and collected, and just they're just a guy at the end of the day. You know what I mean?
1: Going back to COVID, Trevor Lawrence did get COVID in the middle of the year, and he and he had to miss. Uh, two games, one of which you guys were able to pull off first Boston College, and then the next one was at Notre Dame, um, which I know you were at that game. You had some fire picks on the field before the game. But you guys weren't able to pull that pull that off, but you did get them back later. But were, were you on the field when those Notre Dame students so irresponsibly stormed the field? <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I, it was a it was a crazy night. I'll, I'll, let me just say, DJ Uyunglele is gonna be a freaking beast. Just wait, just wait. He he's gonna he's up, I think you saw it against Notre Dame, but anyway. To answer your question, yeah, I have to come down from the press box where I'm filming, and the students are it's it's a madhouse on the field. There's this kid like walking around with blood like on his forehead, like he fell over the wall because he had to leap over this wall. And I'm trying to get back to the away locker room. And the way you do that is you go down and you walk out, you cut across the field, but I couldn't do that. So an usher sees me decked down and comes in gear. I have a tripod, I have a camera. I have all this equipment in my hand. I'm trying to free, I'm dripping sweat because I just fucking sweat all the time anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I look, I probably look so rattled. that The usher comes up to me, he's like, where are you going? And I'm like, I got to get to the away locker room. He's like, where are you going to do, like, how, he kept asking me how I was going to do that. He eventually, I put my hand on his shoulder, and, like, we freaking split the sea of of gold and green. <laughs> he, like, navigated me back, and, like, I was just getting yelled at. I ended up having to, like, tell my boss about it just because, like, I came back, and I was hot. I was fucking pissed when I went, like, when I finally got back to the locker room area. I was, I was like, dripping sweat, and I was, like, really rattled. To answer your question, like, yeah, it was a bullshit night, and those kids are – that's an unclassy
1: program. We're just not used to winning games. And also, they just don't care about
0: COVID. Well, they did. Notre Dame, like, suspended students for violating COVID protocols, and then, like, in the moment, moment, those kids did not care about virus. Again, I probably wouldn't have either. (laughs) There are students – no one has
2: a fucking mask on. It was too late at that point. Who cares? It's more the player safety. Like you've mm-hmm. you got guys still walking off the field, and this random kid from South Bend, Indiana, who knows what the fuck he's got, is, is touching all these guys. It, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare situation. But we handled it with class. I, I don't know if you noticed, but like we just kept our heads down, waited for our opportunity to get in the locker room, and we went in without a, without a hiccup. But Notre Dame tipped their hat that night. They're, they don't know how to win. They
1: they won that game absolutely, but they didn't do it with class. And then they got smoked in the ACC championship game by right. Clemson. By the best player in the country. Devontae
2: is unbelievable. He played like a Heisman Trophy winner, no doubt. But I do think if Trevor plays in those two games, he has the stats to back up the fact that he is the best player in the country, that our team
0: is a different team with that man on the field. Yeah. He is definitely a difference maker. I, I don't think you guys would have lost Nitter day with him on the field. And that second game was really the the tell of, of which team was better, no doubt. Yeah.
1: He's never lost a regular season game, has he? He's only had two losses in his career. One, the national. It was the
2: national championship last year, and, and the Sugar Bowl this year.
1: So I, I was really hoping that we were gonna be able to introduce you as national champion and Feldman. I may or may not have uh, took a, a future bet on Clemson to win it all in your name, but if that didn't go as planned, unfortunately. But, you know, what's your guys' plan for next season? Are there any recruits coming in that we could keep an eye on? I know you said DJ Ayungale. Is that how you pronounce it? Is going to be a stud? It looks like Trevor is going to go to the NFL. Um, what what do we got planned for next year? And are you going to have uh, any increased role? Yeah, so, I mean, you can, as you can imagine, everyone took a quick couple of days, recharged the
2: batteries when we got back from the Sugar Bowl. It's a loss that definitely everyone, like you could just feel the fi- the vibe of like the atmosphere in the building was, it was kind of sad, but you, you got to turn the page quickly. And we got Georgia to open up college football next year in Charlotte. So we, you know, game on, let's start getting ready for it. Let's get the film ready and start going. Guys are already back in the weight room, everything, you know, we're starting to move the ship again here and get ready for, for next 2021 season. But I don't know if you saw the way too, way too early polls, but we they had us at one. I don't, you know, I, I'd say we're in between one and two, and, and Georgia four. I don't, you know, I think Bama reloads. I don't know how you don't put the national championship at, at national champion at one, but a part of that may be because we had an unbelievable signing class, and uh, you're gonna see some wide receiver talent. I, I think the biggest question you're gonna have is who who steps up in the running back room. Um, you got a few kids coming in, like Will Shipley and a few other signees that may make an impact pretty early on in, in, in their freshman season. But uh, O lineman uh, was a position we needed to add a few, uh, you know, add some depth to, and I think we got that in the signing class. So that's something to look forward to. And they they're already, you know, piping us up for next year with that one way too early poll. To me, it's cool, but it's it's a lot of pressure to
1: just already have us with that expectation, you know. Mm-hmm. But that comes with the territory of being on a in a program like Clemson. That's why that's
2: why you come to a program like Clemson. Yeah, that's the expectation, that's the standard.
0: Yeah, I mean, you guys have the coaching staff too, just to be able to like carry that weight too. It's not like honestly, Indiana getting ranked tenth in the country in these way too early polls is almost like a bit daunting in a way because yeah. part of what made this year so much easier to follow was there was never an expectation that we would win some of these games like. When we played Wisconsin, even after we'd had a good season, I, like, wasn't anticipating us winning, whereas now that we're 10, like, there's just it so much 14 pressure. underdogs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, this year now, like, with that weight, like, it's, like, scarier as a fan because now any time we lose is going to be just, like, that much more painful if we do. But, like, with Clemson, it's got to be at a whole nother level because it's, like, you lose one game and that puts your chance at a CFP appearance in jeopardy. So, like, there is just no margin for error. Like, that, that's crazy.
2: There's no margin for error, and it's it's awesome that a team like Indiana can be where they are right now. But you got to do it again next year, and the year after that, and the year after that. And being at a school like Clemson, yeah, it, any 99% of the programs in the country, you make it to the Sugar Bowl and you play for a college football playoff semifinal game. It's a it's a hell of a season, but for us, it's it's not. That's you know we compete for national championships around here, and that's just the expectation, and and it hurts when. You get knocked out early by by our measures, but listen, the ACC runs through Clemson and, and it and it always will. I, Notre name in the conference I thought was phenomenal, to be honest with you. I thought it really was great for the ACC. It provides a whole level of competition. Miami's always going to poke its head around and not pull through at the end of the year, but you know, midseason, they'll find their way there. It's funny to hear Dabo talk about these kind of programs, and he does he he doesn't talk shit about them, but he he lets you know that they're not they're not Clemson, you know. Yeah.
0: Well, we had that quote yeah. about Florida State that rubbed some people the wrong way when Florida State yeah. gagged, forfeited or they decided not to play the game. What was that like? Like, was he like really fired up about that? The whole floor, the whole Tallahassee situation. It was an
2: absolute. I mean, it wasn't a shit show as far as an legit, like organizational standpoint. But we're sitting out to social distance our team meetings and film rooms. We had a tent in the parking lot, a circus tent with an entire eight audiovisual setup, projector screen, speakers. So many moving parts and so much goes into getting a team from point A to point B. We chartered jets. We had eight different academy buses because everyone has to social distance on each bus. Police escorts were like, it's a massive operation to move a team. It's very, very expensive. And Dabo comes in the morning of the game. We go through the whole week of preparation, which is a fucking lot of work. We, you know, we work really hard to prep, got the team there, spayed the night. It's a lot of food and you got to keep the whole staff fed and the players fed Dabo comes out a couple hours before we were set to leave. Tallahassee put up the white flag, and they were – they didn't want to play us. They just didn't want to play us. In our opinion, they forfeited the game. They knew they were going to get their ass kicked on national TV. They're in in turmoil over there. Their programs in shambles right now. They can't – you know, it's not Norvell's fault he walked into a shit show, but, you know, it's going to take a little while for him to get his bearings. I think he will be successful over there at some point. I just think – Tallahassee was it was a very crazy situation just be standing in the parking lot. Everyone's got their hands in their pockets and we're just watching Coach Sweeney and a couple administrators get in a huddle in the middle of a Marriott parking lot in Tallahassee, Florida. And we got to coordinate a flight back to Clemson, South Carolina and get buses and a police escort and all this shit. And we do it. You know, our staff's incredible. We'd mobilize in an hour and we're gone. We're on the road and we're we're back home before. I think Ohio State was playing Indiana that we, that week, so we were back home, and I caught the fourth quarter here. So, it's crazy. I it, I already hate Florida State because I'm I was raised a hurricane fan, so that's typical Florida State bullshit, in my opinion.
0: Bush league.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. What else would you expect? You know.
1: The the rise and fall of Florida State. Uh, they came up pretty fast when they had Jameis Winston, and then and then they fell. Their coach he went to. It was the coach of Texas A&M now, right? Jimbo. Jimbo, Bisher. Jimbo, Bisher, yeah. Jimbo Fisher, yeah. Fisher, yeah. Uh, I mean, but you could see what happened. Like Florida State traditionally is a very good football school. Oh, absolutely. And, and they, they were able to land some great recruits. But then you have your coach leave, and look what happens.
2: Yeah, and that's exactly what I, I believe. They just don't have a foundation there where they're just trying to pull together talent every year. And then you see it from schools like Miami and Florida state where bowl season comes around and guys are opting out. They're not bought in. They're not playing for anything. They're not playing for a coach. They're not playing for players. They're just going to Florida state because they were recruited there. and They just wanted to play at Florida state in front of all those fans. And they're not really playing for anything. You come to Clemson and, and schools like Alabama and that, like that's a freaking
1: cult. Like you're a part of that family forever. When football is long done, you have a guy like like Trevor Lawrence who could have, like, you know, he, he was uh, campaigning to play at the beginning of the year, but he very easily could have just sat out the year because of COVID and been the number one pick in the NFL draft coming up. But he was like, I want to play. I want to do this. And it, and like you said, it's just, it's just culture.
2: I, I totally agree with guys like Travis Etienne also. You know running back shelf life, isn't that – and he got beat up this season. Travis took took a few big hits, and I think you guys saw that in the Sugar Bowl a little bit. Guys like that take a risk, but it, it's it's because they love the school and the coach and the the team they play for, and they wanted to come back. Everyone had a bad taste in their mouth after LSU. I could feel that the set like the first you know week you're there on a new staff. You you know they just lost the national championship and they want to get it back and to go that far and especially in a year like 2020 in the season we've had to navigate through and all the all just tough things that had to – the extra work and the, the longer longer preparation and all the extra stuff that has to go into it and to come that close. But, you know, it's still a Sugar Bowl and it's still a, a – we still won an ACC championship and I'll, we'll get rings for that.
0: Yeah, quite the year. Looking forward to next year, Death Valley, hoping that there's fans in the building. How, how stoked are you for that?
2: So they call it the greatest 25 seconds in college football. Is that entrance? Clemson. It's a tradition. They come out of the locker room. They take their buses around the stadium. Load up at the hill, and everyone touches the rock, and 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 you run down that hill. And apparently, I, I've yet to experience it. Obviously, but when 80,000 are in there, and it's and it's rocking, and the stadium is literally shaking. It's apparently the coolest sight to see, and I I'm, I can't wait. And I hope even if I get 80% of that next year. I, I really hope to see it. And, and I want my family to be able to come see the, the facility and tour the building where I work. They still haven't been able to come in here because, you know, it's, it's a bubble. And like I said, we get we get COVID tested three times a week. And if you're not a part of that protocol, then you can't come in our building. Like it's it's an unbelievable thing we've had to do. And families have been kind of cut off from from coming into the office. Usually there's kids running around and we have staff dinners with families and Christmas parties and, new, and all this different stuff. And we haven't been able to do that this year. And I haven't been able to experience that, unfortunately. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to next year. I think the team's going to be stacked again. I, I You know, we reload Justin Ross, who's an unbelievable receiver, is coming back. God willing, you know, he's recovering from an injury, but he wasn't able to play this year. And he's coming back. DJ, I think, proved himself. We'll see what happens with running back. And our defense, Gowski's coming back. Nolan's coming back. You know, KJ's coming back. We, we're we're stout. Darion Kendrick announced he's coming back. So I mean, we're we got some veterans at D, and I think it's gonna be an exciting year next year. I'm really looking forward to it.
1: Yeah. So hopefully uh, they're allowed to have fans next year. And like, you know, do you do you like get some extra tickets or perks or are there any guys that you were like thinking about inviting down? Yeah,
2: <laughs> I get I get a few
1: tickets to the games.
2: I was gonna get. it really sucked because my family's down in Miami and I had four tickets to the national championship and my whole family was going to come and they were my grandpa was like I'm going to risk it all because he's very scared of COVID (laughs) (laughs) I want to come watch it so he was even going to come so that was really disappointing but yeah I get tickets and there's the perks well the fact that they're paying my tuition you know that's that's a benefit in itself right there if nothing else that is enough but the gear the food the just prowess of being a part of this program is um, you know you get caught in the background of pictures on national tv it's just it's really cool to be a part of and you can't buy this experience in my opinion that's why i left a full-time position to come here and and come back to school because i knew you just learn how to be a different breed of people at, at schools like clemson and 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 other schools in the country but here it's there's something about being in here that's really cool.
1: Yeah, and, and I know you were saying you got caught in the background of some photos. There, You did have that great photo, like a professional, just walking off that plane right behind Trevor Lawrence. I saw it on your Instagram. That's a very, very cool photo. One, one of the cooler
2: photos, and then I looked like an idiot standing behind Dabo and Trevor at the ACC Championship. I had <laughs> the phone out looking like a clown in the back. <laughs> I couldn't even like. I could have just take it in the moment. I'm filming the whole
0: fucking thing, but <laughs> I, was, I would to just be standing there and I was trying to get those memories, you know? Yeah. You but, also have some good video of yourself. I've seen you post on social media recently. You uh walking walking into the stadium. Yeah. <laughs> like It looks like it's professionally done. Like literally, it's professionally yeah. done. I mean, that's what I do, you know? We'll definitely <laughs> post know. that.
2: I don't know, I just, I'm having fun. Like I, I want to remember all these little freaking moments. Playing in the Superdome, just throwing the football around the sideline of the Superdome is just like Notre Dame, I'm throwing the football around and like scuffing up their dirt like secretly on the side. There's just little memories like that, you know?
0: Yeah, that really is just such a unique experience. Like uh, nobody gets to do that kind of stuff. That's so awesome. I'm jealous. I'm just thinking about it. I'm excited right now.
2: It's it's important to stay humble and just remember that, you know, like it's it's great to be here right now, but one day I'm going to have to... I'm going to graduate from grad school and, and figure out what, what life looks like from there. Hopefully that's a position here at Clemson. And if not, I'm ready to pursue whatever that looks like, you know, and all because of Clemson, I'll have the tools to be successful and, and, and champion wherever I go.
1: Yeah. And that's the most important thing. Like the exposure you're getting right now is just like invaluable. And like wherever, like wherever you end up going and whatever ends up happening, like you were a part of Clemson football, a premier football school, top five for sure. Like, guys, we've had motivational speakers calling in and it's like
2: Tony Dungy calls my Zoom account. And I'm like, hey, coach, what's going on? Can you hear me? All right. It's Andrew with the video office. He's like, yeah, man, I see you. And he talks to the team. And like we had Ray Lewis, Steve Young, and I have like I'm, I'm on site. I'm running these from my laptop, like my Zoom account on my laptop, just trying to freaking project this onto a screen in an indoor football facility because we have to socially distance i mean like
0: just this year's experience it's unfucking believable what we had to go through did you get nervous with uh any sort of technical difficulties if there were any oh. with ray lewis
2: with ray lewis yes that was a big <laughs> one. we were at the hotel in new orleans and and anytime you have a zoom call we have a lot of zoom calls with a lot of cool people and tony dungy was definitely one of the cooler ones but ray lewis by far took the cake he was just such a cool motivational speaker that night before the game and you're just praying to God that his Wi Fi is good because, like, we check our shit. Our, our stuff, we're not, it's not going to be on our end if there's an issue. But, like, we're hoping at least Ray Lewis has some good Wi Fi. You'd assume these guys have good Wi Fi. But, like, Steve Young was cutting in and out. And, like, we had Steve Smith on and he was, like, cutting in and out. And all these, like, guys, we have guys call in for Bible study and chapel. And, like, there's just people all over the country that zoom in for certain different things. And, that would typically come speak to the team in person, but you got to find different ways to like keep the team
1: going. And definitely Ray Lewis took the cake though. He he. Ray, Lu- Ray Lewis gets me fired up. I, if I ever need to get fired up, I sometimes watch some videos, like either whether it be highlights or him like giving a speech, like it, it gets She's me like, absolutely. Everything
2: he says, it has so much passion, and he like he talks in a whisper but it's so intense. Like it's crazy. (laughs) Like he whispers the whole time, but it's so passionate. He's like banging on his
0: chest. Did he do his dance on the zoom? He had an,
2: he had us play an intro video before we brought him up on screen and it started off with the entire dance.
0: That's awesome. (laughs) Well, Feldy, um, thank you so much for sharing your experiences. Honestly, this is a, this is a one of a kind interview. It's awesome to be talking to someone so close to such a prestigious program. Yeah, I hope it was,
2: you know, what you guys wanted to get out of this. It was definitely what I, you know, I was just happy to talk to some old pals. We haven't freaking caught up in a long time, guys. And this was really cool. I'm glad we got to do this and share some light about what I've been going through.
1: Absolutely. And uh, we're going to be rooting for Clemson next year as long as they're not playing Indiana. And even if they are playing Indiana, which they're not in the regular season, we'll see you in the CFP uh yeah okay. like you said you know okay. don't be afraid to reach out and you know if, if you have extra tickets laying around one week, and let the legends podcast know and we'll come and we'll do it we'll do a live show i gotta re- gotta remember the boys it's been it's been real fun, guys it's so good
2: seeing
0: you good seeing you too i'm a 10 and a half in nike and i i generally wear a large but if it's I, a I larger it's t-shirt totally then I, I, I might be a medium
2: let me grab my pen here.
0: Colby, right <laughs> thank you so much for coming you on. you the man. The
2: podcast, keep keep doing great things. I'm gonna keep listening. All right.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
2: All right, fellas.